Welcome to the podcast of Grace Community Bible Church. We hope and pray that you are blessed, challenged, and inspired by this message. For other sermons or more information, visit us at gracebiblechurch.org.au. Mr. Noah built an ark, and the people thought it was a lark. Mr. Noah pleaded so, but into the ark they would not go. Down came the rain in torrents, down came the rain in torrents, down came the rain in torrents, and only it were saved. If you've ever run a children's program, be it a daily vacation Bible school or an after-school program, that catchy song highlights the story of Noah, and I'm sure was one that you probably employed in teaching the children. And this morning I'm going to the book of Hebrews and to the 11th chapter and to the 7th verse, where we want to give some consideration to the subject of Noah and the perseverance of faith. Noah and the perseverance of faith. Verse 7 of Hebrews 11. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear constructed an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of the righteousness that comes by faith. The first question, surely, that we need to ask is, why do we have this verse in our Bible? Why do we have this text in the book of Hebrews? And the answer is provided for us in the preceding chapter. Because in chapter 10... And verse 23, we read these words. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith. And those words very basically describe the, 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 the theme of this book of Hebrews. And it's a, a theme that you find running throughout the book. You get it in chapter 2 in the first three verses. You get it in chapter 3 in verse 6. You get it in chapter 4 in verse 1 and verse 14. You get it chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. Listen to those words. And we desire that every one of you do show the same diligence to the full assurance of hope unto the end, that you be not slothful, but followers of them who through faith and patience inherit the promise. Who are the, the them that the readers are to follow. The them are those portrayed in chapter 11. 
that great cloud of witnesses that is referred to in chapter 12. For what characterized them but faith and patience? And so in Hebrews chapter 11, faith is defined for us in verse 6. And then faith is displayed for us and illustrated for us through various Old Testament characters right through the rest of chapter 11. Examples to us, encouragements to us to persevere in the faith and therefore please God. And so this morning I simply want you to consider three little thoughts, three points this morning. The source of faith, the strengthening of faith, and the significance of faith. The source of faith, of our faith, we who are here this morning as believers. Surely the source of our faith is the gift of God. Where does faith come from? If you go back in your Bible, back to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, we read of the depravity of humanity. And I know you've been through all of this by your pastor, and I had to study up to make sure I was listening and learning and trying to handle the text correctly. But here in Genesis chapter, chapter 6 and verse 5, we read these words. The Lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in all the earth, and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Here is the depravity of humanity. In verse 5. But in verse 9 of that chapter, we read the description of this man Noah. And we're told that Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. And we're told, to quote the ESV, the Noah was a, a righteous man and blameless. How come? How come? Well, the answer is provided for us in the eighth verse of that chapter. Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So that what separated Noah from all others was this, the favor of the Lord. Now, some people read these verses in Genesis and conclude that Noah's godly character was the cause of God's favor. That he was such a righteous good man that God looked upon him and welcomed and embraced him. But you know, even for an ignorant Irishman, it's easy to see that 
the order doesn't enhance that or point to that. Verse 8, you see, comes before verse 9. And furthermore, there's no causal principle here. There's no because between these two verses. Noah's godly character, including his faith, was due to God's favor and grace. And this cause in effect is seen, is it not, throughout Scripture. You think of the well-known words of Paul in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But as some of you know, there's been a, a long debate regarding this word, this, this, not of yourselves. Does the this refer to faith, faith being not of yourself? Or does it refer to the entire previous clause? By grace you have been saved through faith, and this not of yourself, in the sense that the grace is not of yourself, but the faith is. It's a small but a significant point being made. Because, as I said, the implication is that, that grace, yes, grace comes from God, but some would argue, but the faith comes from us. That God provides the grace for us, but we, because humanity always loves to contribute something, we contribute our faith. But surely, any reasonable reading of Paul's words includes faith, in the this, not of yourselves. That the origin of faith is in God's hands. That we owe to God the, the entirety of our salvation. Both its provision by God and that enabling appropriation by ourselves. Here was Noah, living amidst a generation of ungodliness, of unrighteousness, of corruption, of violence, of all manner of wickedness and depravity. And yet we see Noah in a relationship with God. For we're told that he walked with God. We see Noah having reverence for God. Because we're told that he was moved with godly fear. And we see Noah living righteously before God. Because again we read in our text, he became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And as we noted earlier, he is described as being righteous and blameless. How could that be? Given the conditions, given the community, given the depravity, how could he be that kind of a man? 
I know that some of you have been and traveled widely across the United States. I've often been asked what part of the U.S. I enjoy most. And I said, well, I have, I have two parts of the U.S. that I really enjoy. I, I love the Great Plains of uh, Montana and uh, Wyoming, but I also love the Deep South, Mississippi, Alabama. And you know, in the South, they have an adage. When you find a turtle on top of a fence post, now use your imagination this morning, you think about it, you picture it in your mind. When you find a turtle on top of a fence post, you know it did not get there by itself. And so the point, how do you get a godly man in the midst of a godless humanity? Or as someone has expressed it, when you find a dead sinner, a rebel against God, alive and in love with God, gratefully trusting not to himself or herself, but to Jesus Christ, and wanting and striving to do his will, you know full well he did not get there by himself. Salvation from start to finish is God's doing, for in reality, Faith, true biblical faith, saving faith, is the most difficult thing in all the world. You see, sometimes we think of faith as oh, it's simple. You know, the, the gospel, uh, you know, uh, uh, you don't have to work for your salvation. You, you don't have to try and keep the Ten Commandments. All you've got to do is simple. All you have to do is, all you have to do is believe. Simple. Not simple. It's the most difficult thing. It runs right against all our natural tendencies. Because what is faith? What is biblical faith? What is saving faith? It's looking away from ourselves. It's the very thing we love to do and want to do and desire to do. It's looking away from our ability and capacity. It's looking away from us to another. Depending on someone else. It's relying on another. On Jesus Christ, who he is, and what he did for us. Faith is and must be the gift of God. Otherwise, no one would ever believe and be saved. The source of faith, the source of Noah's faith, the source of our faith, is the gift of God. It's from God. But then given that, how do we strengthen our faith? How do we grow in our faith? Well, surely, that's by God's grace to us. You see, how was it that Noah kept on keeping on? How was it that he was able to persevere in the faith? 
Because you see, behind the words of Hebrews 11:7, by faith Noah prepared an ark, lies years of confrontation, of criticism, of sneers, and of jeers. Because to the community, to his community, Noah was a Noah was a fool, a misfit, a zealot, a troublemaker. And yet, despite all those conditions, somewhere between fifty to seventy-five years, Noah got up each morning and picked up his saw his plane, his hammer, and his tape measure. And he went out to the forest, cutting, carrying, shaping, and building. Between 50 to 75 years of enduring an unbelieving, arrogant, aggressive, wicked audience. 50 to 75 years of being persistently laughed at and ridiculed. 50 to 75 years of sticking to the task, doing God's will, looking beyond the present for the thing hoped for, looking beyond the visible which may have been a blue cloudless sky to the invisible, the opening up of the heavens and the deluge. For 50 to 75 years, he's building, what's he building? He's building an ark. Wonderful. What in the world is an ark? Says the people. For 50 to 75 years, he's preparing for a flood. A flood? Never seen one of those before. What's a flood? You're a fool. Defying the wisdom of the world and the propaganda of the press and the promise of the politicians, Noah patiently persisted and persevered in the faith. And so he was the first person in Scripture to be called righteous. And that righteousness proved that his faith in God was genuine. And so we're told he became the heir of the righteousness which is by faith. You may say that Noah was the first in line of the great reformers who believed in justification by faith alone. So how can we follow that man? How can we keep on keeping on in our environment, in our situation, in our community, in the world in which we now live? How can we honor God amidst a perverse and wicked generation? Well, let me suggest three little things. There's not only three. There's just three that I will give you this morning. And the first is this, looking at Noah. Cultivate God's presence with us. Cultivate God's presence with us. What characterized Noah? Noah walked with God. 
Sometimes that may have been up in the mountaintop where the air is fresh and the sky is clear and your heart, you know, is, is light and, and joyful and God's presence seems so close to you and so personal to you. But sometimes it's in the valley where it's damp and it's dull and it's dark and the going is tough and your heart is heavy with, with grief and, and God at times just seems so far away. It's all darkness. How do you relate to God? How do you cultivate the presence of God when He doesn't seem to be there? Listen to the words of the hymn writer. When darkness hides His lovely face, I rest on His unchanging grace. When all around my soul gives way, He then is all my hope and stay. At times it's only by enforced waiting upon God that we come to know Him. Times when we're nothing but sheer belief in God's graciousness and greatness will save us from despair. Times when absolutely nothing but simple reliance in God's love without, without any given evidence of it will save us from helplessness and hopelessness. That despite the threat of the storm, despite that, that wind that is blowing against us and despite those waves that are beating us, we hear His voice. Take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. And though at times we may find ourselves in a furnace that is exceedingly hot, Lo, I see the fourth is like the Son of God. And so the words made famous by Mario Lanza, There is no death, though eyes grow dim. There is no fear when I'm near to him. I lean on him forever, and he'll forsake me never. I'll walk with God. How do we persevere in faith? How do we strengthen our faith? Cultivate God's presence with us. And how can we do that? Well, my second little point is meditate on God's providence for us. Meditate on God's providence. Look back on your life on how He has ordered all your steps, how He has arranged all of the events, how He has brought you thus far by His 
grace. John Flavel or Flavel, however you want to pronounce it in his work, The Mystery of Providence, calls on us to consider our, our birth, our upbringing, our family affairs, our employment, our conversation. To meditate on God's providence in our personal history, our life story, to see how He has led all the way. And then to, to, to meditate on God's providence in biblical history. To do what the, the writer to the Hebrew does. Reminding his readers of God's mighty works of the past. The past, you see, is a, is a great and powerful motivator to perseverance. For what did Paul say to the Romans? I'm quoting from Romans 15 and verse 4. For whatever things were written aforetime were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. Meditate on how God has worked in this past. His mighty power, His mighty acts to build up our faith. To realize that, that the God of David, the God of Samuel is our God. The same God who is with Daniel is the God who is with us. And so thirdly, grow in faith by appropriating the promises of God to us. For what characterized these men and women in Hebrews 11? What explained their personal, albeit imperfect, faith? Because they were like us, flawed, sinful, oftentimes failing, but they trusted, they hoped in, they relied upon the promises of God because they were the promises of God. The God who is there and is not silent. The God who is there and who rewards those who diligently seek Him. You remember how, how Samuel described God? 1 Samuel 15, the glory of Israel will not lie or have regrets. He is not a man that he should have regret. Our God is a God who does not lie and does not change his mind. And so what does he promise? Well, let me give you one. Here's a promise for you today to build your faith, encourage your faith, persevere in faith. Philippians 1.6. Being confident of this very thing, writes Paul, that he who began that good work in you will perform it, will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. Here he is. What God has begun, he always finishes. He always completes. He always perfects. And so the ground of our faith, God's Word, and the object of our faith, 
God's Son. And so it simply means, if I can quote Sinclair Ferguson, what it means is simply this. Our lack of faith or our weakness of faith may simply be the result of not knowing the Bible very well. Simple as that. Simple as that. Noah, a man of faith, he did all that God commanded. He trusted and obeyed God's word to counter everything he knew and had previously experienced. He knew God's presence. He was aware of God's providence. He stood upon God's promises and so patiently and persistently persevered to do the will of God in the world of wickedness. And that's our calling. That's what we are here for. The source of our faith is the gift of God. The strengthening of our faith is the grace of God as He applies the means of grace He has granted to us. And therefore, let me finish, conclude with this. The significance of faith. The significance of faith, as we can see in and learn from Noah. The significance of faith is surely for the glory of God. And we see it in Noah's faith as it relates to his family. For who entered the ark and was saved and delivered and escaped the storm of God's wrath? Who was it? Noah and his house, his house, thou and thy sons and thy wife and thy sons' wives, it souls. Have you ever stopped to wonder how was the family motivated to enter the ark? Well, surely the, the, the simple, the basic answer, the substantial answer is this, God, God did it. God by his mercy and grace. Because when you look at the time frame, in a sense, when God looked on the earth, he only saw one righteous man, and that was Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So how did the rest of the family find favor in the eyes of the Lord? So that they too were delivered along with Noah. What means did God employ in the life of his family? May I suggest to you this morning, it was Noah's purity of life lived out before them. It was Noah preparing the ark for them. And it was Noah, that preacher of righteousness, to them. In other words, in that home, Noah's life as husband and as father his manner of behavior mirrored the message that he believed. That here was a man who was in private 
what he was in public. That what he was on Sunday morning between 10 and noon, he was on Monday between 10 and noon. That his conduct was consistent. There was integrity here and not hypocrisy. And yet how far short we fall and how frequently we feel before that, like that, be it pastor and people, pastor and people. How often our faith before our families, our loved ones, those closest to us, is tarnished and frayed. That what, what we are here in this fellowship this morning right now is far removed from what we are at times with our family. And yet, is there any greater joy than as parents to know that our children are walking in truth. And uh, I too was reading Spurgeon, and he said this, Have you an Ishmael? Then get alone and like Abraham, cry to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Oh, the powerful word in prayer. Oh, that Ishmael might live before you. How we need to pray for our family. I won't take time. I think I've told you the story before of my brother. But pray and keep on praying for your family. Seeking by God's grace to portray the gospel before them, living according to the gospel, to see a family saved. This is our mission field. This is where it starts, isn't it? It's not Cambodia. It's Outlook Drive, Dandenong North. It's my family that are here. And by God's grace, Noah's family believed and they too were delivered. And so we pray for one another. We pray for each other's family. We seek by God's grace to be what we proclaim to be before them. And when we fall, we too repent and confess and ask forgiveness. His family, the significance of his faith to them, and lastly, the significance of his faith to his community, his community. Noah's faith consisted in believing against the evidence of his eyes that God would keep his promise to destroy the world. And his faith was vindicated while the world that did not heed God's warning was destroyed. Hebrews 11.7 declares, Noah prepared an ark by which he condemned the world. And Matthew Henry comments, His holy fear condemned their vain confidence. His faith condemned their unbelief. 
His obedience condemned their contempt. Good example will either convert sinners or condemn them. And if I may add to that the words of John MacArthur, the man of faith rebukes the world by his consistent life, even if he never utters a word of reproof. And isn't it interesting, isn't it interesting that, that there's no evidence here in the text to suggest that Noah argued, debated, or disputed with his community? He simply believed he went on building, he went on preaching to them, he went on obeying the commands of God, he went on walking with God, and in such a way, he condemned those who criticized him. His faith was eventually vindicated when the heavens opened. Now we, we live in a democracy. We have the right to express our views times by the ballot box. But increasingly, the Christian voice is not heard. Rather, our faith is being despised and rejected and persecuted and hated. And we see a sharp and speedy increase in, 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 in godlessness, in wickedness, in corruption in high places, depravity is running amok, justice is void of truth and integrity, and I'm sure you too have said, Lord, how long? How long? How do we as believers in Christ, how do we live in a world where every imagination of the thoughts of men and women are only evil continually. I give you two things as I close. Number one, we pray. We pray, and we can pray specifically. Pray employing the Psalms, the Psalms of lament. Those, those words, if, you, if you've got your Bible, if you, you go back with me to Psalm 3 and verse 1, this kind of thing. This is our praying. O oh Lord, how many are my foes, many are rising up against me, many are saying in my soul, there's no salvation for him. Or the words you get in, in Psalm 4 and verse 1, answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Or the words you get in Psalm 5 and verse 1, or Psalm 6. What do you get there? Verse 1. O Lord, rebuke me not in your anger, nor discipline me in your wrath. Be gracious to me, O Lord, for I am languishing. Heal me, O Lord, for my bones are troubled. My soul also is greatly troubled. But how long, O Lord? How long? And then employ the, the, the imprecatory Psalms. I dare you to take up those words. Break their arms. Break their noses. There is a time and there is a place to take up these that invoke judgment and calamity on God's enemies. Not against us, but against the name of our awesome God. We pray in the name of Christ and for the glory of our God. 
And then secondly, we persevere in faith, seeking to live lives that above everything else are pleasing to our Father in heaven, cultivating his presence, meditating on his providence, appropriating his promises, knowing that the day is fast approaching when, to quote Paul at Athens, he will judge the world in righteousness by that man whom he has ordained, and whereof he has given assurance unto all men, in that he has raised him from the dead. Friends, our faith will be vindicated. It will be vindicated. So we can comfort one another with these words. We can focus our faith and our hope on God. But does not the God of all the earth do right? And never forget this. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And there's grace sufficient for you and for me this day as believers. And if you're not a believer this morning, that's where grace is found. To look away from all else, as Isaiah the prophet declared, God says, look unto me and be ye saved. Look unto me because there is grace to help in time of need. May the Lord bless his word to us this morning. Let's pray. Our Father, you know the world in which we live, and you know the weakness of our hearts. You know our frailty. You know our inclinations. You know our weaknesses. Our Father, we pray that you would strengthen our faith through your word, even today. And we pray, our Father, that you would enable us in the midst of ungodliness and bitterness and hatred to simply live lives that please you, that honor you, and would bring glory to your name, living by faith, for surely that brings pleasure to you. Grant us such grace and such strength we ask for your glory's sake. Amen.